0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Behind the Numbers. I'm Dave Bookbinder. I'm a managing director at B. Riley Financial. I'm also the author of The New ROI, Return on Individuals. And welcome to Behind the Numbers, the show where we dig deeper to understand what matters most in business. Today, we're going to be talking with Jim Downs, who's the founder of Blueprint CFO. And Jim says that uh, accounting should be future-focused. Jim, welcome to Behind the Numbers.
1: Morning, Dave, and thank you for having me on the show today.
0: Yeah, pleasure. So I wanted to have you introduce yourself, and then we're going to jump in because everybody knows accounting is looking backwards. So I'm eager to talk about you know, future-focused accounting, but let's start by uh, you saying a little bit about who you are. Okay, great. Um, I
1: began my career as a CPA. Um, I have an accounting background, and I've worked as a CPA for 11 years with clients in many industries. And the frustrating thing I found about being a CPA is, as you mentioned, everything was kind of historical. And we never talked about the future in terms of what the numbers meant uh, with respect to what what the client should do different in the future. And so that is why I started uh, Blueprint CFO in 2019. And we work with a number of companies now to help them do what we call future-focused accounting.
0: Yeah, so let's talk about that because I teased it at the opening. What exactly is future-focused accounting?
1: So it all started for me when I was a CPA and one of my clients, uh, when I was delivering their tax returns and their financial statements for the prior year and, a, and an invoice for $15,000 asked me, Jim, what should we do different next year? You're our financial expert. You're our financial guy. You help us with our numbers. What, you know, what should we do different next year? And I, I had no idea. It, Cause as a CPA typically are not thinking about, you know, how the company is performing and what, the numbers say that could be done differently to make the company perform at a higher level. And so um, I, it started me down the path towards working with all my clients to, to meet with them every month and go through their monthly financials and identify what was working and not working based on the data.
0: Yeah, so one of the, the, the guiding documents of an organization is its strategic plan. In your experience, Jim, how many folks have a bona fide strategic plan that is a living document?
1: Well, maybe it's different with bigger companies. I mean, our clients are middle market, emerging growth companies. They're typically under $100 million in sales. And I would say I've worked with hundreds of companies in my career as a fractional CFO, Dave, and very, I'd say less than 10% have a written plan. It's more like 2 out of 200, <laughs> so like maybe
0: 1%. Yeah, so, so where do you start? I mean, have you worked with them to help building the strategic plan for these organizations? Well,
1: you know, when I say they don't have a written strategic plan, that written part's important because the entrepreneur typically has something in mind in terms of what they're trying to do with their company. Sure. It's just not written down, and it's not communicated to the rest of the team. And the, the sad part of that is, you know, people are coming to work every day. We have clients that have up to 1,000, 100, 100, 150 employees, and everybody is not really aware of what the goals are for the organization that they should be focused on. So it's just kind of wasting a lot of money uh, in terms of not people not being focused on achieving the goals of the business.
0: Yes. Yeah, so for those middle market leaders who are listening and watching to this program right now, what are the key elements that they should incorporate into their strategic plan?
1: So every company is different. We have a one-page form we, we fill out with our clients. Um, you know, you can be bit, much more robust in your strategic planning and have multiple pages and have a, a book that sits on your, on your bookshelf every, every, uh, in every company. But we, we start with a one-page document, which is looking at what's the revenue goal for the next one, two, and three years. What, are, what is the goal with respect to the bottom line? what is the goal with respect to diversifying the business into different uh, industries or away from major customers so what is what is the goal with respect to new products and services and so again these are all things that are happening in the business but it's it's not written down and there's no quantitative way to measure whether the what they're doing is working and so that is what we do we help them capture you know what's what's um, verbally being said and put it on a piece of paper, and then every month we come back and, and measure, you know, whether whether the, the plan is working or not. Whether are, are we on plan? Are we not on plan? If we're not on plan, why aren't we on plan? And so the accounting again becomes future focused because we're talking about how do we get back on plan, or you know, if we're above plan, maybe we need to revisit the plan. So it's always thinking about the future.
0: Yeah. So you know, in my world, we help clients in working with uh, future planning and valuation analysis. And it starts with historics, as you know, most accounting exercises might, right? So we look at trends. Where have we been? In your world, are your entrepreneur clients looking at the historic trends as they're thinking about their future?
1: Well, I mean, that's a great question. So uh, in, an, in the accounting world, the basic uh, reports that companies receive are the balance sheet and income statement. And, um, you know, I call those two reports a bunch of numbers because when you're a, if you're not trained as an accountant and you look at those those statements, there's going to be, you know, two, three hundred numbers on there. And what does it really mean? And and the real key is what you just said, trends. So we put together for our clients a uh, package every month that has about 10 pages of charts and graphs and looking at trends. So what is the trend with respect to revenue growth? What is the trend with respect to margins? What's the trend with respect to inventory turnover? So all of these all these things, if you just look at one month, you're not really getting the big picture in terms of what's happening trend-wise. And uh, I think that's a, miss, a huge missing piece in financial reporting. For most smaller companies, they don't get that, that data.
0: Yeah, and that's part of an exercise that when they work with us, we, we obviously have to look at the trends because that's the springboard for thinking about the future, which leads me now to the, the idea of forecasting. Um, so in my world, a forecast from our clients is, is imperative for us to put together an income-based model for their business valuation. Um, a lot of times, they may not have a robust forecast. Maybe it's just next year's budget. So starting with the trends to assess where we've been allows us to understand where we're headed with some kind of uh, veracity and, and reasonableness. Talk about forecasting in, in the world that you're living in, Jim.
1: So years ago, um, another thing that kind of changed my life and was kind of an aha moment is I took a seminar called strategic budgeting. And um, it may sound very simple, but strategic budgeting was about, you can't do a budget unless you have a strategy because your, your strategy needs to be incorporated into your budget and most most companies in my experience and this is even larger companies do their budget based off of historical information they take the they take the prior year and add five percent or ten percent you know we're going to do ten percent better sales wise and our expenses are going to increase five percent but it, it, it's not really incorporating the strategy that needs to be uh, uh implemented or uh, inserted into the into the budget and the forecast in order to have the proper budget and um, so that's, again, something that we really focus on. Uh, yeah, our clients all have that. If they, if they don't have that, then we, we, we'll just not work with them because it's so important to have that.
0: Yeah, it's kind of the wet finger in the air. We think it's going to go by you know 5%. Um, before we have to take a break here in just a couple of minutes, Jim, I want to ask you how folks can connect with you if they want to learn more about you or if they'd like to work with you.
1: Of course. So uh, number one is go to our website, blueprintcfo.com. And on there, you will find a number of case studies of, of different things we did with clients to help them with their business and helping them improve performance. And also, you'll find our uh, 800 number uh, to call us and to find out more about how we can help their company.
0: Good. And I think that's a really good, convenient spot for us to take a quick commercial break. So, Jim, you sit tight. We're going to roll a few commercials here, pay a few bills, and we'll be right back on Behind the Numbers after this quick break. Dr. Mark and Liz from Marriage Matters, a show that inspires, instills hope, and empowers couples to weather the stresses of married life. Join us each week to hear how
1: couples, real couples like you, have overcome challenges that were hurting their marriages, as well as getting expert advice on ways to nurture a happy and healthy relationship.
0: Tune in Fridays at 4.30 p.m. and Thursdays at 9 a.m. on RVN-TV.
1: The new Kentucky Fried Chicken Sandwich with brioche buns, mayo, pickles, and a quarter-pound filet as far as the eye can see. Get comfy. It's gonna be a while. This thing's huge. Get the new Kentucky Fried Chicken Sandwich for just $3.99. It's finger licking good.
0: And welcome back to Behind the Numbers. I'm Dave Bookbinder. And today, we're talking about future-focused accounting with Jim Downs, who's the founder and president of Blueprint CFO. Uh, Jim, in the first segment, you mentioned something about when you look at income statement balance sheet, it's just a bunch of numbers. But you know, in our world, we have to go behind the numbers. Admittedly, a cheap pop, but I had to do it. Um, talk about how entrepreneurs are actually consuming financial data. Because a lot of times, the entrepreneurs may not necessarily even have a financial background.
1: Well, that's a very good point, and um, I have a, a good example of that. We have a client and it's an emerging growth business. They um, went from ten million in sales to twenty million in sales last year, and um, they're doing very well. you know we were working with them monthly going over their financials with them. and one day the owner, Joe said, "Hey, Jim, I would like to meet with you uh, at your office for an hour." And I said, Joe, what are we going to do?" And he goes, "I want you to explain the difference between the balance sheet and the income statement." So here's here's a man who's running a company and uh, he's getting these reports every month and he has no idea what they mean. And so you know as you mentioned our, our entrepreneur our most entrepreneurs do not understand accounting and so they're, you're, you're they're spending money on something that they're they're receiving that um, they do not know how to even read or what it even means. So I, I think it's super important to take that data and, and put it into an actionable form where they can see, you know, make it more real to them in terms of things that are going on in the company um, that are, excuse me for being, taking your your tagline, but behind the numbers that they ought to be paying attention to.
0: (laughs) Thank you. I love that. Well, let's talk about some of those metrics that they should be paying attention to. What what are the ones you like to focus on?
1: Well, every company is different. I I have a, a client I'm working with right now. They're a bicycle company and, you know, there's so much data in their company that needs to be paid attention to. They they, for example, have, um, they are importing bicycles from Asia. And as you all, as everybody knows, the supply chain has slowed down significantly. So where they used to get 30 day uh, delivery on a bicycle from Asia to their warehouse in the US, now it's taking 90 to 120 days. And so keep taking, keep that data is there and it needs to be paid attention to. And, you know, without it being highlighted and thought about in terms of what impact that has on cash cash flow and sales being able to achieve our sales because you're assuming you're going to have certain inventory to sell but it, it it's taking way longer to get to your to your warehouse then that is a, a huge thing that needs to be paid attention to. Another major area that we like to focus on is labor productivity because most companies their number one cost is labor. And yet nobody is really, if you look at the traditional financial statements, it has nothing in it about labor productivity. How much revenue did you generate for every labor dollar It's just a really simple thing to think about. And if, you know, the more revenue that you can generate for every labor dollar, the more efficient you're being and the more productive. And the, the whole concept of continuous improvement and, you know, looking at, you know, here's here's where you're here's where we are today. We're spending X amount of sales and marketing to, to, to attract a new customer. That's all well and good. And it could be you know bad. It could be good. Who knows? But the real thing is how can we make it better in the future? How can we improve our ROI on sales and marketing? So all of this data is going on in, in the company and, and, you know, nobody's paying attention to it because the accounting department is only putting out the balance sheet and income statement.
0: Yeah, it's gotta be parsed and, uh, Made digestible, consumable. Uh, I want to give you a chance to humble brag here for a minute, Jim. Before we get too deep into the weeds here again, uh, you wrote a chapter in a book that's going to be forthcoming. Tell us about that.
1: Well, it's kind of fun. So the um, the book is is called Money Matters, and there's chapters in the book uh, by various authors with respect to uh, money and business. And my chapter is uh, titled, There Cannot Be Great Accountability in a Company Without Great Accounting. And it's, it's kind of funny to think about, you know, everybody wants to hold people accountable in their business to achieve great things. And yet, without great accounting, you don't have the data to hold them accountable because you always get the, the you know give an example where uh, you bring in the sales team and say hey guys we're not hitting our sales numbers and they say well no those numbers aren't correct we really sold more than that you know that's not really the right number so making sure that the accounting is spot on so that when you deliver results to people and say hey this we're not on we're not on path to to the plan that we all agree to that there's no discussion there's no disagreement that those numbers aren't correct that's an important part of accountability because you waste a lot of time when you're when people are saying those aren't the right numbers and you know I, I'm not I'm not a i am not i am not did better than that.
0: <laughs> yeah, Jim tell folks how they can connect with you if they want to reach out to you. So uh, you can email me any questions you have at Jim
1: J I M at blueprintcfo.com or you can go to our website www.blueprintcfo.com, and uh, there on there is a uh, request form for uh, get information. We have a lot of case studies on there that you can see, um, maybe things that are going on in your business that are similar. That, you know things that we did to help our clients do better.
0: Jim, I want to talk to you about an, a key inflection point that a lot of entrepreneurs face when it's time to start thinking about a capital raise. How much? Who's going to be the investor? Is it debt? Is it equity? Talk about that, if you would, please.
1: So that's, it. you know, I'm glad you brought that up because that is a very important part of our role with the client is helping them fund their business growth. And so, you know, many, many times um, clients do not engage us for accounting, they're engaging us because they don't know how to get the money they need to grow their business. And um, What's interesting about that, you know, back when I started doing this 20 years ago, the main place you went to get money was venture capital or angel investors. But in today's world, the the, the lending um, environment has changed so much where it's not just banks, but there's a lot of different alternative lenders out there that will do what I would describe as, you know, venture capital type financing. they'll they'll, they'll invest, they'll finance inventories at a bank wouldn't finance inventory. Banks are, are afraid that if you can't sell your inventory, they're going to get stuck with it and have to figure out how to liquidate it. But it, normally, you can do a lot with, with financing and don't have to give up equity in your business, which is key because as you're growing your business and um, making it more valuable, if you can keep 100% of it, it, it from a total financial picture basis, you're going to be a way way better off in the long term.
0: Yeah, I I want to ask you, in your broad experience and thinking about the various entrepreneurs that you've worked with uh, throughout your career, is is there a theme that you've seen where things that are entrepreneurs are doing wrong, shall we say, or things they should be doing differently or better?
1: Well, this is gonna—I don't know. I hope I don't insult anybody, but most entrepreneurs have a sales and marketing background, in my experience. They—they are. They come out of the sales world because uh, accountants and engineers, they're they're way too conservative to start a business because they, they're not sure it's actually gonna work. But salespeople feel that they, you know, they if they can sell something, they can they can survive and, and make a good living. Uh, the, the negative to that is when they get into trouble, they also feel like they can sell their way out of trouble. And so, you know, as as you're growing your business and, and sales are 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 doing well. Uh, You can get yourself into trouble if you don't have strong processes and systems behind your uh, in your business in order to make sure you don't make a mistake and or, you know, have quality issues or or late deliveries, you know, all these things that can hurt you in the long term. But, you know, the entrepreneur sometimes thinks, you know, all of that doesn't really matter because I can sell my way out of this situation and, and that's the wrong way to think about it. So each each entrepreneur has their own strengths and they bring those to the table which is great but they need to surround themselves with other people who have different strengths to help them see the picture in a more um, all around way. I mean that's not the right way to say it but in in a, in a way that's you know looking at all the dimensions of the issue not just you know the sales side.
0: Yeah, and look, just to take it down to a microcosm that a lot of folks watching and listening can understand, when you think about, say, you know, a contractor, for example, really good at their trade, but we hear it all the time. They don't return phone calls. They don't do billing properly. They're not running the business. They're good at what they do, but the business skills are lacking. So surround yourself with a team uh, or outsource that component so that you have that holistic view. Yeah.
1: Correct. I, you know, here's a good example. I had a client a few years ago, and they um, – they represented major retailers to uh, shopping centers for them to be able to lease ch- uh, retail space. This was, you know, years ago when the, the shopping centers were uh, very popular in vote right now, you can get retail space pretty easy. But um, th- what I found with them is they would sign up major retailers and then after a year they would leave because the, the, the man that ran the company was great at sales, but he wasn't, the operations weren't there to support the, um, Experience for the customer to come in and have a, a great great experience where they want to to stay and and be used continue to use them as as a uh, as a resource. So you know it's super important you know to have in my mind. There's three parts of every business that need to be strong: sales and marketing, operations, and finance and accounting. And that's universal for every company. You have you know you're trying to attract new clients, but then once you have a new client, you have to do a good job of of servicing them so that they they want to continue to buy from you and those two things go together and sometimes don't people don't see that and then the third part is finance and accounting where you're managing your money (laughs) because that's where all the money comes together so yeah at the end of the day you want to make sure that you have a profit because if you don't have a profit you won't have a stable business and you may not be in business a year or two from now so all three of those things need to be super strong in every business
0: Jim, we're coming down to the end of the program here, but I want to sneak in one more question, if you can do it in like 90 seconds. Talk about technology. Uh, You talked about alluded to systems and the importance of systems. Talk about the use of technology, how entrepreneurs can leverage that so they can better consume the financial data.
1: I was just asked to write an article, Dave, uh, in an accounting magazine about how important is it for accounting firms to be thinking about how to use technology to be more efficient. Uh, we recently hired somebody who's a data analyst to help us um, take our analysis that's being done in a, in a manual fashion today and make it more eight just to sound a little bit overreaching, but artificial intelligence. So he's developing tools where they, we go into the data and, and can do an analysis without having an analyst actually spend a lot of labor hours doing it. Uh, our monthly reports that we we send out that are all customized to each client. Once they're developed, we push a button every month and we get a report. We, there's no no labor time. So I think the use of technology is is very important for every business. You know, accounting firms is just one example, but all of our clients need to be thinking about how do I use technology to be more efficient. Because you know, going back to what I said before, in most companies, labor is the number one cost and, and if you can be more efficient with your labor you're going to make more money on the bottom
0: line awesome jim and on that it's a wrap i want to thank you for joining us today on behind the numbers
1: thank you dave it was a great
0: to be here and i, I had a lot of fun talking to you that's awesome Thank you for watching and listening. We can't do this without you. Be sure to hit the subscribe button so you can stay in touch with us. Again, my name is Dave Bookbinder, and I'm the person that my clients call when they want to know what their most important assets are worth. You can certainly find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter, and I'm always happy to have a conversation. And that is it for today's episode. We'll see you next time on Behind the Numbers. Take care, everybody.